0: Greetings to you all wherever you happen to be today and whatever time you're watching and listening to this message the Lord richly bless you as you seek his face today. Let's just join together as we pray. Loving Father we thank you again that we can be gathered together even though we might be in smaller groups. We thank you for your church And we thank you for your word, and we pray that you will open your word to our hearts this morning as we seek to worship you and grow close to you and follow you even more closer, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to God's word this morning, uh, today, I should say, because it might be morning or evening whenever you're watching this, Uh, As we come to God's word in Paul's letter to the Philippians, we conclude this series today by looking at the final verses in chapter 4, verses 10 to 23. Last week, Pastor Charlie spoke from uh, chapter 4 and verses 1 to 9, and in his message, he mentioned two favourite verses of mine that over many years, and on many occasions, brought such uh, reassurance and, and peace, not only to my life, but to many others who received this Wonderful promise from the Lord. And it's so marvelous to be able to share these scriptures and encourage each other with the Word of God. These are the verses from Philippians 4 and verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What marvelous verses. I wonder if you can say amen to that today. Praise God for his unchanging and timely word for us in such times as we are in today. The Apostle Paul now brings his focus to one of the key themes in his letter to the Philippian church, and that is of his thanks to God for the gifts that they sent him as they learned of his detention in Rome. And so Paul says this in verse 10 of chapter 4, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Verse 18 of this passage tells us that the gift for Paul came with Epaphroditus from these Philippian believers. And it was the cause of great rejoicing in the Lord by Paul. And it's amazing, everything about Paul's life was centred in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it needs to be for each one of us as well. And therefore, it was natural for Paul to acknowledge and to lift up his heart and his voice in joyful thanks to the Lord for his gracious provision. But not only for the gifts uh, that came to him, but more so for the love and the concern so demonstrated to him by his beloved church at Philippi. And, and when you think about that, isn't it how you and I are also moved with thanks to God? Not so much necessarily for the, for the gift, but for the thoughtfulness, for the love, for the, for the concern that's behind the gift. We do appreciate the gifts, whatever it is, and how much they may be when we're in need of those. But more precious, I believe, is the love and the thoughtfulness that it's packaged in. All the pastors at SDBC just recently received a little envelope uh, from the kids' church. And uh, inside this little envelope was a note that caused me uh, to have so much joy and and to give joyful thanks to God, to the children who wrote it and sent it. And you won't probably be able to see this, but each of us received a little envelope and inside was this little green piece of paper for me. And it said on the outside, it said, Dear Pastor David, and then quick, let me read it to you. It says, Thanks for being a great pastor and for the work that you do for this church. Keep up the good work. (laughs) And it was year five and six girls. So uh, this is one little gift that I'm hanging on to. It's very precious. So thank you, five and six girls. Thank you, Kids Church, for your wonderful gifts and encouragements. Paul was thankful and uh, he rejoiced in the Lord for their renewed concern in that they had not forgotten about him, that they had continual interest and concern for Paul. Uh, though they had, for whatever reason, no opportunity to actually show it at that time. Whether it was Paul's own situation or location, uh, whether it was simply the Philippians' uh, poverty that prevented the gift from reaching them as it did. Um, Paul certainly attributed no blame, but he recognised that it was simply outside of their control. But how much he appreciated their thoughtfulness and their love behind that gift. And then in verses 11 to 12, Paul says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. When you read those words and you think about that, What a powerful lesson Paul teaches through his own testimony and through his own experience, his own relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's learned to be content. He had to learn that. I wonder if you and I need to learn those things as well. And I wonder if you can say the same kinds of things. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. When you think about that, the circumstances that you and I may find ourselves in and are in right now, are we content in that, content to leave it with the Lord and trust Him to work things out in our lives? And I want to confess quite openly to you, it causes me certain uneasiness to consider the implications of what Paul is actually teaching here. I mean, what does it mean for you and me? For example, as I've, as I've already said, you know, in this season of the coronavirus, the corona pandemic all around the world, And particularly as it bites into our lives and into our economies. And some of our own people have lost their jobs and businesses. So it hits home. But may we continue as a church to petition God that he protect our lives and those of our families and of our loved ones. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. In other words, Paul is simply saying, I, for my part, have learned by the teaching and the empowering of the Holy Spirit to be content in every situation. You know, and I can't help but remember the, the Lord's psalm, the 23rd psalm, uh, the 23rd psalm, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. learning to be content, knowing that God supplies every need. Paul talks about that later on. I like what Jameson, uh, Fawcett and Brown in their commentary give. uh, They give a very helpful explanation about that. Let me read it to you. The Greek for for the word content literally expresses independent of others and having sufficiency in oneself. Let me keep reading here. But Christianity has raised the term above the haughty self-sufficiency of the heathen Stoic to Holy Spirit-enabled contentment of the Christian, whose sufficiency is not in self, but in God. Isn't that fantastic? And it's in a similar way and by example that we hear the, the writer of Hebrews, when he says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said never will I leave you never will I forsake you I mean again what a magnificent promise we have from the Lord he's promised to be with us in everything he is our shepherd we don't have we don't have need when we have him he provides everything we need following that instruction and consoling promise from the Lord in Hebrews 13 how encouraging is Paul's inspired statement when he says this in verse 13 of chapter 4 he says I can do I can do all this through him who gives me strength I love what the amplified version says of this as well the amplified writes it like this I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Again, amen to that magnificent truth. Similar to how how we explained the word content. You see, it's all about trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. That what he has promised. And listen... What he promises in the daytime of our lives when perhaps it's easier to see ahead will also be trustworthy and a sure foundation in the nighttime of our lives. When you can't see ahead, he remains the same in the daytime when it may be a little easier for us and in the nighttime when it's not, when it's not, when it's scary. You know, and this reminds me of a song that I heard from Bill and Gloria Gaither some time ago. And I just want to read a couple of the lyrics. It's, the song's called God on the Mountain. And it goes like this. Life is easy when you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But things change when you're down in the valley. Don't lose faith for you're never alone. And then the chorus goes like this. For the God on the mountain is still the God in the valley. When things go wrong, he'll make them right. And the God of the good times is still God in the bad times. The God of the day is still God in the night. It's a beautiful song. You can see it on YouTube. So inspiring. And then Philippians 4.13. Paul says this, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Thank you, Lord Jesus for that marvellous promise from God. And then Paul continues in Philippians 4, 14 to 18. And you can read those verses. Paul was careful not to minimise in those verses the welcomed gifts and the necessity of the gifts as well. He's not downplaying any of that, that these Philippian believers had given to Paul, even though, as he's already said, that he's learned to be content under all circumstances, Paul still acknowledged uh, that, uh, that this gift was very precious to him and it was necessary for him. He also acknowledges that this was not the first time that the Philippians had contributed in partnership with him on behalf of the gospel. At the very beginning of their Christian experience in Acts 16 when Paul left Macedonia, they alone, just that church on itself, as a church, they shared with him. No one else did. They shared with him, and again, when Paul was in Thessalonica on his second missionary journey in Acts 17, verse 1. Though Paul was grateful for their giving, he was even more grateful for their spiritual offering. And this is what we're getting to again. He was was grateful for their sacrificial offerings, which were pleasing and acceptable to God. And then Paul says in verse 18, they are a fragrant offering. An acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. You know, the term fragrant offering or, or a pleasing aroma was used in the Old Testament uh, for offerings that pleased God. And uh, there's, there, that's written in a number of places. But for example, in Exodus chapter 29 and verse 18, where God instructs his people, he says this to them then burn the entire ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. Listen to this a pleasing aroma. An offering made to the Lord by fire. When the people's hearts were right with God, when our hearts were right with God, when we offer to Him, it's a pleasing aroma to Him. And you know, all these Old Testament offerings and sacrifices that God required of His people at various times, for various occasions, were all fulfilled in the one and only offering and sacrifice given once and for all. In the Lord, when the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life as a sacrifice on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. I love what Hebrews 9 and verse 12 says. When it says, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves. But he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood. Having obtained eternal redemption. That's the gift we have eternal redemption through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul also speaks of Christ's offering or Christ offering himself as a fragrant offering when he wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 5 and verse 2. He says this, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. You know, and speaking of offerings that are pleasing to God you know only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ are you and I including any offerings that we bring are acceptable to God I believe that only when our hearts are right with God does he accept the offering that we bring to God and I believe Paul when he said this to the Ephesians sort of sums it up as well and speaks about those things he says for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It's not by any offering we bring. It's not by what we can do for God that's acceptable to God. It's only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ that we are acceptable to him. By faith alone do we in fact become to God. I love this, the aroma of Christ. We are the aroma of Christ through our faith in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.15 And I wonder if that describes your life today. You know, where are you at with Jesus? Being acceptable to God, being a pleasing aroma to God is all about Jesus Christ being Saviour and Lord of your life. Nothing else works. Nothing else works. And really, nothing else matters in this life Apart from Christ who has, as the scriptures teach us, obtained eternal redemption. I wonder if you're in that list of his redeemed today through your faith in Christ. If you're not, you need to turn your life over to him right now, right where you are. And then in words that countless believers in Christ have cherished and been strengthened and encouraged by over countless decades... Paul says these words in chapter 4 and verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Again, what a magnificent passage and verse of scripture. And you know, there's also a sense by what Paul says in this verse that the Philippians gave to the point where it left them. Still in need themselves, they gave to where they were, were really, you know, uh, bare bones themselves, basically. But as we know, you can never outgive the Lord. You can never outgive God. Listen to one of God's timeless promises. Proverbs 11:25 says this: "A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed." Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love how Matthew Henry writes this. He writes this little script. He says, you supplied my needs according to your poverty and he shall supply yours according to his riches. And then I also love what C.H. Spurgeon says. He says this. He says, this is a grand assurance. God is the giver. His infinite glory is the store. Jesus is the channel, and the supply knows no limit. What more could the most expanded desire wish for? This promissory note from the bank of faith makes all believers rich beyond a miser's dream. I love how he writes that too. And my dear friends, may we never stop being generous in our giving to those who are in need. And may we never stop seeing that our giving as a thank offering to the Lord. Or to see it as a thank offering for the Lord. For he, out of his mercy and grace and loving kindness, never stops giving to you and me. I don't know about you, but I'm glad he does. I'm glad he never stops giving because you may have also noticed that you and I never stop being in need. We never stop being in need of him and of his supply. And then Paul as I'm sure we could all imagine, when all of these words are coming to him by the power of the Holy Spirit, inspiring him to write this letter. As he comes to the end, he's overwhelmed by the wonder and the glory of God. And he pens this doxology in verse 20. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And the God that Paul is speaking about is the God of all who believe in his Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our God. He is our Father, who so deeply cares for you and me. He deeply cares for all that you care about today. Bless his holy name. Well, time has gone for us, and Paul closes his letter in verses 21 to 23 with a final greeting and benediction. Allow me once again to use a final reflection from the the great Charles Haddon Spurgeon as he says this, thus with an affectionate wish this fragrant letter of love comes to its close. May more of the tender spirit which it breathes be found in each one of us and I trust that we can all say amen to that and my dear friends Uh, In the words of verse 23, let me close our time together here today. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let me pray. Loving Father, we thank you for your word to us today. We thank you that you are indeed the great giver. And we are so grateful that you keep on giving because we are a very needy people. We keep on needing. And yet, Lord, the amazing thing is that you're the God who supplies every need. You are indeed our shepherd and we shall not be in want when you are my shepherd. You provide for us. You love us, you meet us, help us to be people who love you so much that we give generously to each other, Lord, to your work. And Father, we thank you for these promises that we've heard about today. So many marvellous promises. Help us to be those who refresh others And that we ourselves would be refreshed by the refreshing that we share with other people. So we thank you for your word to us today. And Lord, if there are anybody listening to this, watching this broadcast today, and who don't know Christ, then I pray that they will open their hearts to you right now and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sin, Lord. And I'm asking Jesus Christ to forgive me and to come into my life and be Lord and Savior of my life. Father, we pray that this prayer be prayed by many who hear this today. and We ask it for your glory, for your honour, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.